onda, mi gente? It's your girl, Odalis Jasmine, and welcome to Hella Latino. Today's guest is Jessica Perez, and y'all are going to love her. She's a beautiful soul, beautiful human, Afro-Dominicana, currently living in New York City with her fiancé. Shout out. In this episode, she drops a lot of knowledge about life in the DR, embracing her blackness, and the power of education. Jessica is also a media personality and co-founder of GRTR Management, which is a consultancy that focuses on branding and speaking partnerships. She's also widely known for being the first multicultural host for Radio Disney. And Jessica just wrote her first children's book that's bilingual, English and Spanish, called The Adventures of Susana. Que disfruten esta hermosa conversación. Hope you guys enjoy. Alrighty, girl. I thank you again for being here. Gracias a Jimena por la introducción. I'm just yeah. so blessed to have these. I think one of the blessings that has come out of this podcast is I'm being connected to these beautiful mm. people. Y gente que, like, I didn't even know before. And I'm just like, I feel like I've known you for so long. We were just talking about that, like the vibe, right? That's vibe amazing. The vibes don't lie, girl. I always say that. Your vibe, your energy is always going to attract who you truly are. And I'm I'm so pro that. Like, seriously. I always yes. keep myself centered <laughs> and I'll, I always keep myself balanced because energy is everything. Yes. And you have yeah. a very, like, you're so charismatic. You're so, like, welcoming. You just have this warm energy about you. We've only known each other through Instagram. <laughs> But it feels like, again, like we've been friends forever. So again, I'm really excited for you to be here. It's been a minute since we last connected, like over the yeah. phone. So yeah. I'm excited so to reconnect. Me too. Me too. It's it's Hispanic Heritage Month. I'm excited to talk about a lot of things. Um, you know, there's just so much going on in our world, but I like to pick point the good things, the positive things, because I think it's important to to share positivity and like, just talk about goodness in a world that's so chaotic right now. It's just like, let's just Ay, talk Dios about mio. Let's celebrate yes. Hispanic Heritage Month, okay? <laughs> There's so much going on. And yes, I'm all about that positivity. So let's start with, with the first question that I always start with. And it's, how do you identify? And let's hear why. I identify as an Afro-Dominicana. And the reason why is because I feel that Afro-Dominicanidad embraces your Blackness. And to me, saying to even my fellow Dominicanos, I'm an Afro-Dominicana, it sparks conversation. And Mm -hmm. for me, it's kind of like standing in an educative point of view of, hey, let's embrace our Blackness. Dominican Republic, Mm -hmm. yes, has this crazy culture mix of Tainos and Spaniards, but we can't forget that, you know, there's this huge influence and, and greatness of Africanidad in Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. from our food to our music to sharing island with Haiti. It's, it's like a great history, and I definitely identify myself with that side, and my family mm-hmm. embraces their Blackness as well. Um, so that's why I consider myself an Afro-Dominicana. Mm, love it. So let's talk about your, you, you're from Dominican Republic. You were yes. born there. I was and born so in New York. I was born in Brooklyn, oh. New York, 
but I was raised in Dominican Republic till the oh, age of 15. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, let's hear your story. Let's hear from the very beginning, like what you remember yeah. from your childhood. Wow, my childhood. I have so <laughs> many great, beautiful, innocent memories. Um, I remember, you know, being in Brooklyn um, till the age of like seven, eight. And I remember it was like a random summer. My dad was like, let's pick up and moved to Dominican Republic. And as a child, I was like, okay, that sounds like fun. Like I thought yeah. about like, okay, that's fun beach sun. Um, but it wasn't really <laughs> like that. And we moved, we moved to Dominican Republic. My brother and I, at the time my sister got married, this was like year 1995, 96. And my dad wanted to, wanted us to experience uh, a different side and to really embrace what it is to be Dominican and to identify with the culture and the language. So we moved to Dominican Republic. I remember going to school out there, you know, putting my little uniform, going to Catholic school, meeting new friends. And to this day, these are like longtime friendships that I've built in Dominican Republic and they're still my friends, which is awesome. Um, but I remember, you know, being this little girl with big dreams in Dominican Republic and just having a very innocent childhood as far as like, you know, corriendo en el patio and like, mm. you know, being in the hammock and like on a hammock on my dad's, you know, patio and, you know, just, I remember just going to like my little friend's house and doing homework. Um, I remember my, one of my good friends. Uh, Carla, like her mom used to make this uh, little snack, which is like really popular in Dominican Republic, cutting like the cheese con galletitas and like jugo de tamarindo. Like those are like my raw, like oh, amazing childhood experiences. Nostalgic. Nostalgic. <laughs> and, and it's just like so beautiful to look back and to remember like what it was to be a child in DR, like having these innocent, you know, pictures in my head, but also... Um, really understanding and seeing a whole different side because I, I definitely experienced colorism as a child in Dominican Republic and I really didn't understand like certain words and terms that they used to use even in school. They used to call me like la negrita or like, you know, when I used to go and visit my grandpa, he used to call me morena and it wasn't, I remember it not coming from a malicious part, but I remember it being like, a question mark in my head like why is this like separatism like why can't I just be called by my name or like be seen as like you know pelo malo because I have curly hair or like morenita because I'm a little you know darker on the fair you know darker skin than my cousins who like are very you know light skin and mm -hmm. um you know those things really mold you and like really, you know, you don't understand until you get older, the certain remarks and certain words that were being used that now really embracing my blackness from the Dominican Republic, being from the Dominican Republic, I understand like the whole background of where it started and, you know, how these words initiated and why is there this like detachment of us embracing our blackness? Um, yeah. And all of yeah. that started, you know, from little innocent remarks that I remember, but 
you know, it plays a huge, huge role of me understanding what it is to be Afro-Dominicana. And did it take a long time for you to embrace that Blackness? I know you say your family also does, but was that normal? Was that like the case in, in the DR or was that something kind of recent? You know what? I feel like I've always embraced my Blackness, um, but it hasn't been until really recently and really being more into you know, especially like what we're going through now, the whole racial pandemic really um, taught me to, to educate myself even more and go further and go deep Mm -hmm. into my ancestors and who I'm, who I really am. Um, But I'll tell you this, like, it wasn't until I started diving into the industry and like, after graduating and pursuing broadcast journalism. I interned with Telemundo, um, worked with Univision. It wasn't until I really got my foot into those doors that I really felt like I was being rejected because of how I looked and because of my natural hair. And I was like, wait, I have to straighten my hair for an interview. Okay, I'll do that because I want to get the job. Or I have to look a certain way or dress sexy. And this has happened to me. I mean, I remember working for the Dominican channel and not to put people on blast, but this is <laughs> our real experiences um, that I would like to, to share with your audience and my audience as well is that I remember going into the Dominican, this, you know, the Dominican channel. And I remember I had like this whole seventies style and um, the producer came up to me and he was like, you should actually wear something a little bit more sexy and look more Latina. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Okay. Like, First of all, like, you know, sexy dresses. Yeah. Not, it's not who I am. I respect other women who love their tight, you know, sexy dress. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not who I am. So I really wanted to feel comfortable with who I truly am and not feel trendy or feel like, oh, I needed to fit in. So and that's and that's problematic too, right? Like be more sexy, be more Latina. Like why are those things together? Yeah, (laughs) and like what does that even mean? Yeah, I don't understand what that meant. First of all, and second of all, it made me super uncomfortable. I remember like my whole energy dropped. I was like, oh my gosh, Mm. like I have to wear a dress and feel uncomfortable and speak to people. Whoa, (laughs) whoa, Uh, whoa! Wait a second. And honestly, that really kind of turned me off a little bit. I was like, I don't really know if I want to pursue, you know, broadcasting journalism. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And that's when I started doing more like radio stuff. And um, and I started, you know, t- talking to myself. Like that self-talk is so important. And I started talking oh, about like, listen, <laughs> I want to go to places being me. Like if I want to wear my kicks, my Jordans and rock my oversized shirt, that's who I am. And people are going to love me for who I am. And I remember being like 21, 22 and telling this to myself. And Mm. yeah, those channels never picked me up. You know, I didn't continue working because I just felt like I didn't want to fit in. And I think it's important when, you know, you, whatever is it that you do, you go doing it who you truly are. 
And you know, people always say like, fake it till you make it. Uh, but like, I, I always know. say, I'm like, Girl. why? Like, even if you make it, why would you want to not be yourself when you make it? And what does that even mean? Like, there's so much to unpack in that phrase. <laughs> Girl, no, I say fake it till you make it. I love that (laughs) favorite till you make it no I love that so I really want to dive deep into your time in the DR though because I feel like that's a very like how long did you spend in the DR so you Um, moved when you were three and then how long were you there I was eight when I moved oh sorry you were eight I was eight till the age of 15 Mm. so yeah so I was already you know into being a senorita um Although I was like traveling and I would come to the U.S. to New York every every other summer, uh, but but my childhood, everything, I really feel like I'm like Dominican Republic made. <laughs> yes, made in the uh, DR. <laughs> made in the DR, and so super super proud of of being Dominicana. Um, but I remember uh, graduating. Um, from eighth grade and going into high school, which is a whole different process in Dominican Republic. When you're in Catholic school, it's like mm. it's like an easy transition, but you feel it because when you do go to high school, they transfer you to the afternoon classes. So you take classes from like 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. So I felt like I was big, girl. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to <laughs> afternoon classes. Like, this is awesome. Um, I remember straightening my hair. I thought that was like the super cool thing to do. <laughs> um, you know, coloring my hair. At that time, it was like early 2000s. So like, you know, highlights, blonde highlights were the mm, thing. Win the style, girl. <laughs> yes, with the Kiss Swiss sneakers. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> so I used to watch a lot of like MTV in Dominican Republic uh, with the subtitles in Spanish. <laughs> and I used to see like all these like inspirations and stuff. And I used to tell my sister, can't you send me like the new Kiss Swiss? <laughs> or the oh Google? my God. I love Google? it. <laughs> But those are those are crazy memories. But I also remember um, just really just really being a kid, just really being a kid and like enjoying what I feel like a lot of kids don't really do now, which is human interaction. I remember going to my friend's house and cuando era para hacer la tarea, girl, is to do homework. Like I remember telling my mom, like. Listen, I'm. I promise you, I'm just gonna go and do my homework. You know, we had like a little curfew, but we also had time to have fun. Um, they would do like these like little parties on weekends. My dad would take me in his Monte Carlo from 1976 <laughs> <laughs> and pick me up. Um, but it was like it was very just very. It was freedom. It was it was beautiful. It was embracing human human interaction it was Mm. I learned so much about you know the culture the Dominican culture is so rich and so just so beautiful like I feel like a lot of things that we see it especially in New York are not the same as in Dominican Republic like I feel Mm. like people have this perception of what it is to be Dominican because they just go to Washington Heights and they assume like oh this is Dominican (laughs) they're loud and they're this and that but really like you go to Dominican Republic and everyone is into education like I feel like the majority of people 
you know, that's their way out. Like education is their way out of being better. Almost all my friends, you know, are like exceptional doctors and, you know, dermatologists, surgeons, like it's incredible. And if you go and experience the Dominican Republic, for, let's say at least a month, you will see even going to different barrios and different neighborhoods, like the amount of people that will be walking with their uniform just to get an education. It's, mm. it's inspiring. And I remember getting on a bus on my way to school. And I remember, oh my God, I used to see like so many little kids walking with their uniforms and some had like old sneakers, you know, they didn't mm -hmm. have much. They really didn't have much. And here I am on a bus, private bus to go to Catholic school. I felt like, why am I getting like, like, I almost felt bad. I was like, wow, like, these kids are, like, smiling, walking down the street, going to school, and here I am on, you know, I felt that side of privilege to to understand at that time was kind of crazy, but I always felt like I had an old soul. But I remember, Yeah, I can feel that. I, I can feel that from you. <laughs> I remember saying like, wow, like these little kids are like so happy and going to school. And here I am kind of like, oh, here it is another day. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think yeah. you learn how to appreciate. And even coming back to the U.S. and doing my last two years of high school here, I learned to appreciate education so much more because in the Dominican Republic, you have to buy everything. You have to pay for your education. You have to pay for every book, every pencil. Nothing is free. Nada. Nothing is free. And I remember coming back and seeing, you know, my cousins weren't going to college. I was like, what is it? Like, why are my cousins not going to college? Like, everything is being, like, literally given. Like, I just yeah. I feel like it's, it's given to us, especially minorities. Uh, I think that we have that advantage that now we are seeing more educated Latinos and, mm. you know, black and brown that. people. Yeah. So I felt like I needed to change the narrative. I was like, wait, I just saw like so many kids who don't have, but some way, somehow they find a way to get an education. And then you come to the U.S. and you see all these kids and you're like, Wait, why don't you want to go? You're cutting school for why? Like, you have someone for in why? Third, like, what, why? Like, you have someone in a third world country struggling and crying because they want to go to school. And I think that was one side of my Dominican Republic experience that I took when I came back. I was like, oh, I really need to take education serious. And I really need to uh, change the, the narrative for my family, my cousins who are seeing me. You know, at least if it's a little mm -hmm. bit of inspiration, like, you know, you could change your life just by going to school. Like that. You really fact. can. No, la educación es todo. You know, my family always instilled that in me too. And it's, it was crazy because you're talking about some people just like not going to school or not going to college. And I remember I dated someone and he was like, oh, school's whatever. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was so like, ¿Y por qué? I'm like, well, I'm going to study. I'm going to get my straight A's. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes because I need to get a good education. I need it. And I know people say it's not all about the GPA, but para mí it was. Like, I'm like, I want to get 
the best grades. Like, I want to be smart. I want to be the best. I want to graduate with, like, honors. Like, quiero ser todo. Yeah. And it's crazy. Some people, like that guy I dated, he went to school for free. No tenía nada de loans. No tenía nada. Así como todo estaba pagado por él. And I was like, what? You're so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that I really want to encourage, especially my Dominican community. Please go to school. Please. We could see ourselves in, in a bigger way if we really do take education seriously like I can't mm-hmm. stress this I can't stress this enough like if we want to be in you know in these spaces where opportunities are given we have to compete and that's the reality like and by competing we are going to compete by getting our education and it's never too late to go back to school I'm back to school I, I'm going back to school right now so are you really I, yeah I am yeah yeah, what are yeah. you doing? NYU, my master's. Ooh, girl, <laughs> yes. Your master's in, in gay. So I'm doing my master's in integrated digital media. Oh, pues mirala. <laughs> I'm excited. It's nerve-wracking, to be honest. That's amazing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have, to, I have to be a better me. Like, I have to be mm. a better me. Um, and also like, I want to leave a legacy to my children. I can't just say like, and encourage other people go get an education if I'm not doing that, if I'm not bettering mm-hmm. myself. So, and I also want, I also want my nieces, you know, my niece is like on the fence, whether she should go to college or not. And I, I want her to get inspired. Like, listen, I'm 34. I'm going to school. Like you're just mm-hmm. 18. Please go to college. Yeah. <laughs> So, and I feel like college is, is, I feel like you learn so much more outside the classroom too. It's, it's the whole experience of education as a whole. Like it's not just the classroom, but it's learning things that happen in the world. It's your experiences, it's your jobs. It's seeing the world in a different light because you're independent for the first time, truly. Right. Yeah. I always say that I'm like, college is amazing, not just in the classroom, but even outside the classroom, it's an amazing learning experience. Yeah. And then you can have like these you can be conversational with other people. Like it's such a beautiful learning experience to to gain, and you never, you should never stop learning. You should yeah. never stop learning. Yes. Period. And, <laughs> period. Done. Mic drop. <laughs> but being but being fifteen, coming back to the U.S., how was that experience? Because you had spent all this time in in the DR, and you were like, <laughs> you're shaking your head right now. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it was a crazy experience, girl. Like, I remember coming back and I went to Global School of Brooklyn. I went to the Brooklyn School for Global Studies on Carroll Street. Back in the day, as I was, it was crazy known as PS293. It was like the popular not to go to school. Oh, really? <laughs> and it was literally like two, it's, it was literally two blocks away from where we lived. And I remember I didn't want to go to that school. I was like, dad, this school has bad reputation. Like, I don't want to go and finish my two years of high school here that I have left. And my dad was like, well, the school, you know, you make school what it is. Like, just don't hang Mm -hmm. around. Don't do things that you're not supposed to do. When you get out of school, just go straight home. And I listened to my dad and I never had any problems. Knock on wood. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) But I remember, I remember honestly not being embraced by my own 
Latinos. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. Mm. I didn't have a good experience. Like I remember being embraced by African Americans and I don't know why that was because one, I knew very little English when I came back. So I had mm. to learn the language all over again. Mm. And one way I learned English all over again was really like staying after school. And I used to take like this reading class and I was like, I'm not going to have an accent. I want to be a broadcaster. I need to take this accent away and I need to really, really learn English. And until I really feel like I mastered it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> um, girl, you're good. <laughs> thank you, girl. Thank you. But I remember not really being a bracelet. It was like a, a little Dominican community. And I felt like they always pushed me away because, first of all, I never wanted to speak Spanish in school. Because I was like, I speak Spanish when I go back home. Like, I don't mm. know. So I, didn't, I felt like they probably didn't identify with me because I didn't speak the language. But I was just like, I'm trying to learn English. And if I speak Spanish, like, I'm not going to learn English again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like I wasn't really being embraced by my own people. And that to me kind of like raised an eyebrow. And I was just like, but why? Like if we, you know, if we're all the same, like do, why do I have to act a certain way to, you know, to feel like I'm Latina enough? Like mm. that makes oh, no sense. Oh, going back to that, right? Latina enough. Yeah. Like, like what, you know what I mean? And I also like, I just didn't want to, I, I just wanted to, to not be a stereotype as a Latina and as an Afro Latina, Afro Dominicana, I, I didn't want to fit into this stereotype. Like, oh, here comes, you know, she's Spanish. And blah, blah, blah. Like I wanted to set the bar high and I wanted to make sure that people knew who Jessica was before the labels, that before, you know, putting that like, oh, she's Hispanic, let's put her in ESL. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. And I think that happened a lot, especially during those days. Like, People would see your last name in class and they would separate you and be like, oh, you need to go to ESL. And I'm like, but, I, you know, but I'm trying to learn English. Why would you put me in ESL? That's kind of going to make me feel not ahead of or not where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how it is now, but... I think that we've made a, at least a little bit of progress, but I think that happens to, it happened a lot, especially, you know, early 2000s where we were all put together in the same stereotype because of our last names and they would categorize us, oh, the Hispanic and Latinos. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I kind of wanted to feel like I didn't want to be a part of that. Like I wanted to set the, the standards high for us, for Afro-Dominicanas yeah. and for Hispanics. Like we shouldn't be categorized because yeah. of our last name. Right. Um, and I remember going through that at what, 15, 16. I remember my prom experience, which is, oh my God. Oh, tell me. It was a whole quinceañera, girl. <laughs> My dad was like, what is this, a wedding? <laughs> and it's, oh it's my funny God. because prom, they don't celebrate prom in Dominican Republic. They don't know what prom is. And <laughs> I remember when I found out about prom, I was like, wait, what? Que es esto? <laughs> I was like, this is a whole quinceañera, um, which I really took as a quinceañera because I didn't really have a quinceañera. 
I chose not to. Um, I chose I not chose, to either. I don't know. I, chose not I, don't to. know I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted the money and it's so crazy. I oh, wanted the cierto, me too. I was like, no, dame el dinero mejor. <laughs> Girl, we're we the same. Smart, we smart. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 yo no quiero quinceañera. Deme el dinero. And I want, uh, at the time, it was really popular, like those Sony boombox girl with the cds and i remember i got an nsync cd yes (laughs) teenager things but i didn't have a quinceanera but it's okay because i made it up for my prom and uh at that time my dad was like i don't want to spend crazy money so i remember going to prom i had this green long dress with a slit on the side where was Mm -hmm. i going (laughs) Uh, and it was open in the back and I had like long hair extensions guys (laughs) I don't know Beyonce was I need to see this picture (laughs) oh my gosh I had my braces on I don't know where I was going (laughs) (laughs) Todo um, modelo (laughs) modelo. I really thought I was it was my quinceanera um but I remember my dad telling me, like, oh, you know, you know, we have to mucho dinero en vestido, da, 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 da. And I was like, okay. And I had a next door neighbor who graduated a year before, and I wore her dress to prom, which is crazy because this is attached to my prom organization, the story. So I remember kind of feeling a little bit sad because I was like, everyone deserves like their own prom experience. And I felt like, yes. I was, I'm thankful that I had a prom experience, but I was like, you know, it wasn't really my dress. Like I borrowed a dress, Mm. which is super beautiful and fly. But I felt like it wasn't my own experience. Like it wasn't a dress that I handpicked and said, okay, that's me. It was like one of those situations. We're going to have to create a whole prom for you again. (laughs) For real. And that's why I created my prom princess project back Mm. in 2000. Yeah, 2012, where I've donated over 250 plus dresses to inner city schools. So that's something that's so dear to me because it brings me back. I love it. Girl. You are the bomb.com. So tell us, I, I've actually had, um, I've met so many Dominicans through this podcast. This is really beautiful. I've been learning so much about Dominican culture and Dominicanos are just amazing. Y'all are like beautiful people, beautiful souls. Um, okay. You're like a hair flip. Um, <laughs> pero cuéntame. I mean, I feel like every time I ask this question, it's always different. So I'm curious what you're going to say. But dime, you know, what? what's your favorite part about being Dominican? What are things that you think people should know about Dominican Republic or Dominicanos or Afro-Dominicanos? Like, what are some things that you just, you feel is so important for people to know? Mm-hmm. And things that you love. That's such a good question. That's such <laughs> a good question. Um, some of the things that I love about being Dominican, I want to say everything. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say everything. I truly do because from my experience, I got to live in the Dominican Republic and Dominican Republic has one of the most beautiful, beautiful people. And I genuinely mean this because we, first of all, if you go to the Dominican Republic and you see Dominican Republic is a third world country and is a country full of, you know, a lot of people who 
don't have resources, a lot of people who don't have privilege um, that we have in the United States. But some way and somehow, Dominicans have this inner faith and this inner strength that no matter their circumstances, they still smile, they still dance, they still have joy, they still move forward, they don't look back, they still have this, this chispa that keeps them mm. going. And that's why I love being Dominican. Mm. That's why I love my people, because we rise up no matter what. No, no importa la circunstancia, we always look at things in a very optimistic way. And I could tell you that if you go to all 37 provincias, you will feel happiness, no matter if it's coming from a person who, has, who hasn't eaten that day. You will feel mm. the love and happiness that shines through. And I love that. I love that. Porque hay muchas personas en la, en la República Dominicana que están sin nada, no tienen comida, no tienen nada, pero todavía tienen esa sonrisa. Y la mm. música por dentro que just keeps us going. That's so mm. beautiful. Girl, that, that is such a beautiful answer. That oh perspective, that just perspective of life is like, whoa. And I've mm. seen it with my own eyes. And, and I could add even more to this. My mom and my dad, they live in the Dominican Republic. And they've taken in these, uh, these two kids, two precious kids, Luigi and Carmela. And I'm telling you, they, these two little kids, ellos no tienen nada, son pobrecitos, viven con su abuelita, and they love my parents so much. They always visit my dad. These are like seven and eight-year-old kids that mm. are super smart, and they're always smiling. Like, they don't have the latest, you know, iPhone. They don't have the latest Nintendo. They don't have nothing, but... That joy, nobody can take that joy away from them. And I mm. always, every time I go and visit my mom, I always want to see them because I always have like these little trinkets to give them because I just want to see them smile and see that perspective yeah. that they have on life is just amazing. Coming from a seven and an eight year old is like, wow. Oh, I love that answer. Girl, that's so beautiful. Oh. And wait, one question, one question. Your parents moved back to the DR? Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah, my parents. So after I graduated from high school, uh, my parents waited about a year and a half. I attended college and then they were like, okay, we're back. We're leaving. You guys are good. Ya están, ya están hechos y derechos. Nos vamos. <laughs> and my dad retired, took my mom, su vieja, como dice él. Oh my God. And he took my mom and they, they live so beautiful in DR. They live like this amazing, organic, relaxing lifestyle that every time I called is like so nostalgic. You hear like the boosters singing in the background. It's, it's incredible. But yeah, they, they're from Santiago. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, wait, wait. She just said her parents are in the DR. <laughs> oh, yeah. They moved back, girl. <laughs> and one question before we go into our cafecito and chismes session, which I think is going to be super fun because I have some questions for you. But um, one question that I really wanted to ask you, because this has come up a couple of times, but I feel like I haven't um, been educated on it as as much. So I'd love to hear your perspective. But one of the things that I've heard a lot is um, 
the history between Dominicans and Haiti because you guys share, you know, like, right? It's like right next to each other. La Isla de la Española. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. And so I know there is some history there, right? Where there, I mean, it goes back to <laughs> who were okay. the oppressors and colorism and it goes to all these different things. But I'd love to hear your, you know, like give us a little lesson on on that history between Haiti and Dominican Republic. Ah, I love this because first of all, I think that the Dominican Republic has this crazy history of, you know, shying away Haitians. And this goes back to slavery. Mm -hmm. I mean, this goes back to slavery when the when Haitians were part of, you know, La Isla Española and I'm going to track back to Trujillo because I feel like Trujillo, what he was a dictator, dictated mm -hmm. the Dominican Republic for so long. And Trujillo was, he was horrible. He mm. was horrible. He would, he would instill in the Dominican society that white was better than black. He would instill that, it was okay to put powder on your face just to showcase that white is better than black or was better than black at that time. And if you read history, it's crazy to see how in the years that he was dictating, he would enslave Haitians. He would not allow Haitians to be a part of the country. Mm -hmm. He would not allow for Dominicans to associate with Haitians. Um, and then if we track even further, you know, Las Hermanas Mirabales, um, there were three sisters mm -hmm. and they were activists, poets, and they were, you know, these incredible women who were trying to put the forefront of knowledge and, and, and education in the Dominican Republic, but Trujillo he assassinated all three of them. And wow. all of this tracks to, you know, colorism. It tracks to, you know, slavery. And one thing, because this is like, it goes deeper, girl. And yeah, yeah, not yeah. End right now, like we would have to start from 1864. You like, <laughs> but one thing that I want to say is that it still very much exists. It's sad to say, but it very much exists in the Dominican Republic right now that hate and separation towards Haitians. And it really comes down just because of color complexion. Hmm. It really does. It's not like, oh, they're, they're coming to take our jobs or, oh, they're coming to take you know our wives. No, it really comes down to that colorism hate and the reason why I mentioned Trujillo is because I feel that he was one of the main uh powerful dictators at that time that really instilled very and it's very much vivid right now he instilled that in a lot of Dominicans and I think that a lot of Dominicans carry that with mm -hmm. them without even noticing that this has like a history and that their ancestors suffered from 
colorism and suffered from hatred from a dictator that would literally put you in jail or tell you, I'm going to kill you if you're black. And I think that my job as an Afro-Dominicana is to have these conversations and to just show that side, you know, of blackness that we live and that people live in Dominican Republic. Like you go to Sosua, I mean, 90% of the country is black, 90%. It's Mm. crazy. And what's even crazier is that there's no much difference in our culture. There's no difference. Like we eat the same foods, the language it's we they teach French in Dominican Republic. If you did not know, like that's a main <laughs> course that you have to take when you're in middle school up to high school, you have to take even college, you have to take French. But it's so embedded in us and this is like so deeply rooted and it goes back into into history and time of Man, like I could just yeah. go. I'm no, thank about, you. No, this I'm is helpful. Of, <laughs> I'm thinking about Toussaint, who you know was a re- revolutionary and freed all the slaves in Haiti. And it's just like I don't understand, like the disconnection to me. It's so crazy, and this is why it's so important that this new generation of Dominicans we get educated and we change the narrative for our our children because mm-hmm. we don't want this to to continue and it really does like racism really does start from home and we just ha- we really we have to change how we speak about our brothers and sisters in Haiti mm-hmm. like we really literally it's a whole island we share island and Santiago, where my parents are from, it's mm-hmm. literally five hours. It's like a five-hour drive from Haiti, like literally five-hour drive. So to think that that people could have hate or people could even pass that on to their you know, kids, next generation, because of skin complexion, it's really mind-boggling to me. Mm. I don't get it. I don't get mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, no, but I wanted to ask because... I think it's just important for people to know that this this unfortunately happens in Latin America too, you know, and this happens everywhere. And it goes back to what are our histories? It's history of oppression and it's history of colorism. It's history of this person's better than that person because of X. And so mm-hmm. it's really sad to hear, but you know, like I feel in my heart, like, and maybe this is just my positivity, but like, I feel like we are changing the narrative. Our our generation, the generations to come, it's going to change the narrative. And it all starts with knowledge and education. And I just wanted to ask you because I'm like, this is important for the yeah. audience to know. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because when the racial pandemic was, and it's still happening, but that whole protesting month of June, July, I remember calling my niece, who's 18 years old, and I remember telling her, like, listen, I didn't see that many of our people of, like, Hispanic when I protested. I was like, I didn't see, you know, a lot of Dominicans from Brooklyn. I didn't see a lot of Hispanics. Like, but I wanted to pick point Dominicans, and I was like, why do you think that Dominicans don't identify as Black? And... My niece said that to her, it's a pride thing for Dominicans to say that they're Dominican. Like, they're just Dominican. Like, it's like a pride thing to say Mm. 
that they're Dominican because of the culture, the music. So there's no real identification with being black or white. It's just Dominican. And if if you ask any Dominican, like, what are you? They'll be like, I'm Dominican. No, no. What really? What are you like? Who? How do you identify? Mm. They would not associate themselves with like, unless it's like I know some people that are Dominican and they're like, oh, I'm from Spain. But we do need to address that Dominican Republic has all these influences. I mean, there are Dominicans that are white, like mm-hmm. they're just white, mm-hmm. and they're you know, if you. Hay de todo. Hay de todo. Es que hay una mezcla de todo. There's uh, Spaniards, Taínos, Africanos. Este, but the main thing, asking a Dominican, it's just like it. There's just so much pride in just being Dominican, hmm. and I think that comes from what their family instills in them. Mm-hmm. So for each is own, right? Uh, mm-hmm. However, I think that it's important for me to not just say I'm Dominican, but to say like, I'm Afro-Dominican. Like there's this part of Dominican Republic that's being neglected. This is why we don't get along with Haitians. This is why we have so much trouble with Haitians because there's this huge chunk part of the Dominican Republic that we don't embrace and that we don't want to share this knowledge because it's associated with being black. It's like, Oh no, like anything associated with being black is like, oh, we don't want to touch that. We don't want to be a part of it. And I also mm-hmm. feel like there's a stigma as well when Dominicans travel to the United States. There's the stigma of like a blackness, you know, having this, you know, having this violence attached, you know, you they hear things, right? Desde la República Dominicana, like, oh, no, being uh, African-American has like this, it comes with a stigma. And I mm-hmm. think that we need to stop that, right? We need yeah. to stop that. We need to really experience what it is to be Black at first hand in yeah. our country. And I also, I mean, so I read a book called Dominicana, one of my favorite books. I don't know if you've read it. But- I haven't, but a girl, it's on my list. It's, it's so good. It's so okay. good. And there was this one part that I that I remember and it was she was it was this La Dominicana. <laughs> she was walking <laughs> with um her her brother in law. Estaban caminando en la calle, right? And all of a sudden the police starts attacking him, putting him to the ground and, and the violence, right? And she's like, Está pasando, you know, like what's what's going on? Y eso es lo que pasa, you know, like when I think of people who are Dominican, who are Afro Latino. Their reality, the cops are not going to ask them if they're Hispanic, mm-hmm. if they're Latino before they do anything, you know, or people are not going to assume, oh, they're Latino or like, let me ask them. Like, no, they're going to see what they see. That's so crazy you said that because for me, it's like I embrace being Hispanic. I embrace being Dominican. However, when I go into business meetings and I've this telling you chica esto me ha pasado i've been in spaces and in corporate rooms where they don't they don't even they don't care if it says jessica perez like my last name clearly perez they look at me and they literally don't see me as latina or hispana they literally see me as i'm a black woman Mm. and i i speak for women of color who are latinas that I'm sure they've been in spaces where they feel that way. They're like not treated 
as such or we go into spaces and they don't see us as, as Latinas, you know, mm-hmm. come into a space and see my natural hair. Like that's a whole black woman. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you carry double weight and, and sometimes that could be a lot. It, it like, yeah. it could be a lot. It's like, Oh, Dios mío. Like I speak yeah. Spanish. I, you know, I'm a whole, you were made in the DR. Like girl, you are Latina. <laughs> like I was made in the DR. Like it's, it's insane. It's insane. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what? It's interesting because I saw this um, this post on, it was a social media. It's like a female activist social media. And it was interesting how they like divided what it is to be Latina. And, oh man. And the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and I believe there was a couple, Cuba, they weren't in the section of Latina or Hispanics. They were like right in the middle. Mm. And to me, that was like so interesting. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I wonder if, you know, there's so many terms now and so many, mm. you know, now we so have many. we have Latinx, you know, we have, wow, there's just so many different terms. That's why, that, girl, that's why I always start these episodes with how do you identify? Porque sí, es cierto. And, and you know what's so funny too? I've asked this question in, yeah, como 17 episodes. And I kid mm-hmm. you not, no answer has been the same. Wow. And that's wow. amazing to me. That's just so amazing. Like, I'm like, that's... <laughs> Pensándolo bien, huh? You're like, wow, that's that's incredible. 17 episodes, 17 people, and they don't identify none of them the same. No, no, it's because. It, oh, okay. So, so this is interesting because it it's a post that was that explained the difference between being Hispanic and Latino, mm-hmm. and um, Latino. So under Latino was Brazil, French, Guana, Guadalupe, Haiti, Martinique. Mm-hmm. Um, and St. Martin. And in the middle was Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Cuba, República Dominicana, Ecuador, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, Nicaragua, Panama, Paraguay, Puerto Rico, Peru, Uruguay, and Venezuela. And Hispanic was just Spain. Mm-hmm. And, oh, they were yeah, yeah. How, and they were explaining how to be Hispanic means to be from a place where they speak Spanish. And to be Latino means to be from Latin America. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. This is a lot to take in. And that's something that we're not taught. You know, we're just throwing these labels on us. And I think that's why a lot of there's so much nationalism in Latinidad, too, because there's just too much like <laughs> we're, we're so different yes we all speak spanish somos de, you know we are latinos but but yeah. if you really look at each of our countries we're very very different and there's beautiful similarities here and there right like we both love platano and i will eat it daily but like there's there's other differences obviously we speak a little differently diferente, you know and like there's culturally like we dance punta y'all dance bachata and like Again, yeah. with other things like we all love salsa and merengue or we love this music. And like, again, there's similarities and differences. And I think that's the beauty of the mosaic of Latinida, you know, it's like we are so diverse. And that's what I'm trying to capture. And for people who don't know, Haiti, yes, they are part of Latin America. Yes, they are, <laughs> they are Latinos. <laughs> yes, they are. And, you know, also what I love about 
nosotros los latinos, los hispanos, es que, yo, know, we made America. Like, let's not try. We for real did. America was built on nosotros los inmigrantes. Like, and, and we just bring so much flavor. I mean, America loves Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> just to say that but we bring so much to this country it's mm. incredible and I feel like if you take out that big chunk of Latinos and Hispanos and Blacks it's like America would be like a little bland nah, nah. you know no one, nah. there would be no flavor <laughs> there would be no flavor no, ni un sazoncito okay <laughs> sin sazón <laughs> Oh, okay. They needed that season. <laughs> no, girl. We, I, I like love our community so much. I love again the diversity in our community, and that's what I want people who are listening to feel with every person who looks differently. Who, you know, we all look different. Like people would tell me, yeah. "You're like you're tall for a Latina," and I'm like, "What? Latinos are tall." <laughs> yeah. People have this one picture in their head of what Latinidad looks like, and with every episode, I'm trying to go against that narrative and show what Latinidad really does look like. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this story, your story, for talking Thank about you. all these things where I'm like, yes, girl, it's so important for our community <laughs> to know you are amazing. And I know we kind of just like shifted into cafecito and chisme. <laughs> that, was, that was basically it. <laughs> but no, I want to talk about what you're up to right now because you just came yeah. out with a book. The girl, it's, it's, it's incredible. I'm excited. So I came out with one of my first out of five. Um, this is a series called The Adventures of Susana. It's a bilingual book in Spanish. And uh, first of all, I must say that this book is dedicated to my little brother who passed away from leukemia and to mm -hmm. every child battling cancer. This was a book that came into my vision, uh, came into my dreams. I literally dreamt about my little brother who told me in my dream, like, are you going to finish the book? Are you going to finish it? And I was like, wait, what? Like, this is crazy. Mm. And I started writing the book in 2018 when I had the dream. And I was super nervous because I was like, first of all, like, I've never written a book. This is my first time. Um, it was a brand new experience for me. And it required a lot of like time and dedication and putting my head down. And the best time was during quarantine season. I was like, okay, there's really not much to do. Like, like, I really need to focus and get this out. Um, so the book uh, really showcases uh, this little girl who is six years old and she goes on an adventure with her parents and her friends and she teaches uh, kids how to speak Spanish. The book is written in Spanish and in English. Este es one to three easy. Um, you'll learn new words. Kids will be able to pick up on words that they normally don't know how to pronounce in Spanish, or they might not know how to pronounce it in English. Mm. Um, so this first adventure is eh, Una Aventura en el Parque. Uh, so she goes to the park and she's with her friends and she learns how to say tobogán, which is slide. <laughs> um, and it, it's, it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book. And I hope that 
every child that picks up this book feels some type of magic and mm-hmm. feels empowered to see a brown little Hispanic girl that looks like them and feels represented, represented, um, which I really wanted to showcase because, you know, my nieces are brown skin. I have a stepdaughter. She's brown skin and speaks both languages, Spanish and English. And I mm-hmm. wanted to encourage that, that there are, you know, niños Latinos, Hispanos, que son también oscuritos, and they need to feel represented. So, yeah. That's this beautiful. Is, uh, I love that it's bilingual. And that, yes. was, that was intentional, it sounds like. It was intentional. It was intentional. And I must say, my stepdaughter also inspired me a lot. She speaks Spanish. Like, she's seven. And you have to hear how she speaks Spanish and English together. It's like... Where's she at? <laughs> I feel she's not here. But I feel, oh. like, I feel like eventually Spanglish should be its own category of oh like... Oh my God. Language. Yes. Like, let's, make it, let's make it happen. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Because we go back and forth. And I always tell her, tell her like little words like, oh, come here. Pasame eso. Or like, you know, we go back and forth speaking Spanish and English. and her dad always looks at us and I feel like he's also learning by listening to us. So I needed to incorporate Is he that. Latino in- too? He's Jamaican and Cuban. Mm. Yes. Bro. Got so- <laughs> he got too much spice. <laughs> too much spice. Too much sazón. Demasiado sazón. That's beautiful, girl. I love that. And I, I agree yeah. with you. Spanglish should definitely be like Porque you're right, like, unas palabras como que se me olvida, se me va el pájaro. Like, I don't know. Like, there's some words where I'm like, I don't remember how to say it in English. Girl, <laughs> and so- it doesn't have the same, like, porque el español tiene una pasión, you know? Like, when you speak Spanish, I como, yeah. no sé, siento una pasión cuando hablo español. Y cuando hablo inglés, it's just bland. <laughs> yeah, like, there's certain words. Like, what was it the other day that I was telling my mom? I was, like, in the veggie market, and then I was like, uh, ma, no sé cómo se dice. ¿Cómo se dice guanábana en inglés? I don't know how to say guanábana in English. Like, how do you Wait, say that? Es una fruta. It's like... No, no, no. I'm saying, what's the English word? I don't know. <laughs> because I'm... I, I literally don't know. Guanábana. Guanabana. I'm pretty sure I've asked that question before. I'm like, guanábana. Hay muchas frutas, you know? Like, ¿cómo se dice guanábana? Or yeah. the other one? I can't remember. Well, like, some, some, some veggies don't even have translation i don't think yuca has a translation oh my god i was just thinking of yuca <laughs> i was like i said it to someone i was like you know yuca and they're like what and i was like it looks brown and there's white on the inside you have to crack it open to see if it's white <laughs> there's certain things that don't have translation i'm not tripping i know <laughs> yes girl even when i would say like limon they'd be like oh well which one i was like limon and i'm like limon <laughs> just get limon <laughs> And they would give me the yellow one. I was like, no, I meant the green one. <laughs> oh, you mean lime? <laughs> Wait, what? Girl. You know, it's so funny because I always get confused too. Which, which one is limon and lime? Which one? Because we say limon to both of them. <laughs> limon to both, yeah. Limon to both. Oh my God, so funny. We could talk about that forever. But girl, how do people connect with you? If they want to talk to you, if they want to be your best friend, like tu mejor amiga, like how do they connect yes. with you? I'm always looking for BFFs. Um, <laughs> I, you can contact me via, first of all, I love emails. Um, I think emails are so professional. 
So contact at grtrmgmt.com. Sorry, that's the late millennial in me. <laughs> uh, but I have my website, Greater Management, which is my business, grtrmgmt.com. I'm also mm. on every social media, pretty much every social media platform. Yeah, are you out there? <laughs> Except TikTok. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at ITS, just one S Perez. Mm, love it. Okay, so the last thing that we do on this show, I'm so excited to do this with you because I'm like, I feel like it's going to be so beautiful, poetic, all of it. <laughs> We're going to end with the brindis with our cafecito because I've, I've shifted that narrative. Well, we're on different time zones too. So, what time yeah, is it yeah. there for you? It's going to be 3 p.m. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's 11 yeah, a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, girl. But I'm already almost done with my cafecito too. But I'm oh. probably going to have another one. Um, How do you like pero, your cafecito? Con leche, but like very, very small. <laughs> I like okay, my coffee okay. black. Like, I like it. You can't like, do it? No, I can't do it. I can't There's do it. some that are bomb. There's some uno cafes como que no. Like, I can't do it with just by itself. But I always put, like, a little bit of, of milk in it. But, like, mm -hmm. poquitito. <laughs> I'm like, solo para que le dé un poquito de color, and that's it. <laughs> Ooh, that tastes good. <laughs> it's so bomb. It's so bomb. Y la, el café hondureña, so good. Like, Girl, I want to try coffee from all over the world, but, like... I'm biased, you know. <laughs> okay, I haven't had este café hondureña, but you're going to have to send me un paquetico or whatever. Mm. Y yo te mando cafecito de Santo Domingo. Actually, my mom is coming. So I'm going to tell my mom, traete un paquetito de café Santo Domingo. It's so yes, good. I'm down. I love, I love coffee. So el, estilo, el estilo es como te gusta el café negrecito, you have to put um, either le mocada o canela. So good. ¿Qué es le mocada? Uh, le mocada is, it's like another, it's like canela, but it's like. Ah, okay. <laughs> ¿Cómo se dice? ¿Es canela? Le mocada is le mocada. I haven't heard of le mocada. Really? Okay, so that's like one of the main ingredients in coffee when you go to DR, girl. Mm, le mocada. Sí. Le, le mocada. I don't know how to say See, this is important for people to know. There are certain words that, you know, are different. There's certain Spanish words we don't use. <laughs> like the other day I was saying, el, uh, I was saying el cipote or like there's two two stories here. I was like calling my my nephew because we call the kids cipotes and they're like, ¿Qué? like, what is that? I was like, cipote, like, wirro. And they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, Yo, like, kid. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny, girl. That's so funny. Bueno, te voy a mandar este. A, yeah, le mocado. Yeah. O le mocado. Le mocado. Uno al otro. Okay, got it, got it. But yeah, I want to close with a little brindis, a virtual cheers. And what I want here is for you to manifest some good for our Latino community. So what do you want to cheers to? What do you want to manifest? Oh, I want to manifest. A Latina female president. And Ooh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I want to manifest more Latinos, Hispanics, Blacks attending 
college and getting an education. Salut! Salut! Un abrazo a todos for tuning into today's episode with the one and only Jessica Perez. Connect with her on all social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram at It's Jess Perez and find her on LinkedIn. Also, her book, The Adventures of Susana, Un en el Parque, is available at Barnes & Noble. Remember to tune in next week for more Cafecito and Chisme and more Hello Latino Love. Follow me on Twitter at Odalis Jasmine, Instagram at Old Jasmine with four A's and find me on LinkedIn. Con mucho amor, tu amiga Nureña.